Were the Utes a top 10 college football team this season? Will Utah be able to beat out Georgia for Walker Lions? And we're previewing Utah versus UCLA on the hardwood on today's episode of Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, I want to thank all of you who have helped us reach over 875 subscribers now. Growth of this channel has been unbelievable, and I can't thank you guys enough for all your support of it already and my short time hosting it now. appreciate everyone who's ever come on as a guest, too. Uh, special thanks to Brian Brown, especially, who's put me in this who's come on so frequently and helped me put me in this position to succeed. So I just want to thank all of you guys again for supporting this show. You guys can follow me at JT Wistersill. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And you can follow our show at Locked on Utes. And if you guys comment under the video, I'll do my best to reply to as many of those as they can, as my comment section should be filled with less Penn State fans now that we're moving a little bit away from the Rose Bowl game. But hey, you never know. Appreciate those Penn State fans of you who did end up subscribing this one. And uh, speaking of that Penn State game, obviously, against in the Rose Bowl, that played a big role in uh, where Utah ended the season in the official rankings. And uh, the official rankings, what I'm talking about, are the college football rankings, courtesy of the AP Top 25 and the coaches poll. I shouldn't say not the committee's official rankings themselves because they don't put together an actual ranking finalizing everything after all that's over. So we're going to be focusing on here what the AP Top 25 voted and then what the coaches ended up voting on. Uh, for comparison, as I said, this is going to be talking about is Utah, do they deserve to be ranked in the top 10? They were by the, the AP writers, but they were not by the coaches. They finished just outside of 11. Coach Whittingham actually had Utah right at 10, I believe. It was 9 or 10 now off the top of my head. I forgot to, um, I'm forgetting exactly where it was, but Coach Witt felt like his team did. So first, let's talk about just looking at the teams that obviously are going to be ahead of Utah. Number one is Georgia. We're actually going to talk about Georgia in a little bit when we talk about uh, Walker Lions and their Bulldogs pursuit of him. Uh, TCU deserved to be ranked two, although they didn't look like the second best country as all of us had the misfortune of watching the national championship game. Michigan and Ohio State got to be in there. Michigan 13-1 the season, Ohio State 11-2. and Alabama had two losses, but they were both by close margins and in tough environments to taking on LSU and Tennessee in those obviously Penn state has to be above. Then you get into kind of the interesting ones, right? So those are the seven locks in there. Tennessee. I think some people could be like, well, Hendon hooker got hurt. So if they played, but Hey, I mean, Joe Milton looked pretty dang good in that bowl game. If you guys had a chance to watch that. So that takes us to number eight, then in the, with the AP top 25 teams is the teams better than, and actually the two polls match up very similarly up to this point too. They actually have the same top nine. And then when you see 10 and 11 is where it gets slightly different. So eight is Washington. Washington finished 11 and two overall on the season. And you know what? I think it is fair to have Washington head. When you look at how Washington ended their season, they got a strong win against Texas in the Alamo bowl. Overall in the season, yeah, suffered a tough loss against Oregon, but where or excuse me, actually they beat Oregon as I'm getting my my schedule all mess, messed around. Obviously, they they were able to beat Oregon. They actually lost to UCLA and then had the really tough loss to Arizona State. So yes, they beat Oregon. That was when Oregon was ranked six, too. So that was an outstanding win. Just like Utah has two outstanding wins against USC. But you go in over there and look at what Michael Penix was able to do with Washington. I think they had an outstanding season. I think they do deserve to be ranked higher because, look, Utah has two more losses than them. 
Of course, they also played in the extra game. The Huskies, as I talked about, they got the bull win. Obviously, Penn State would have beat the absolute crap, I'll just say for lack of a better word, out of Texas with the way their season ended. The biggest takeaway from Texas from that bull game wasn't even what happened uh, during the game. It was what happened before the game, uh, but Texas fans are going through it right now. We don't need to talk about Texas anymore. But Washington, like I said, what Michael Penix has done, I feel like they deserve to be above Utah based on that. I mean, they were almost selected to if let's say Utah had lost to USC, I believe they would have been selected them being Washington to go to the Rose Bowl. And I think they would have earned that right because look, they had their one bad loss and then they had one really good loss, right? You lost to UCLA is not a bad thing. We as Utah fans know that this past season. So I feel like it's fair to have Washington above. Okay. So then at nine, you get to Tulane. And look, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I do feel like if Utah played Tulane, then Utah would beat Tulane. Uh, Tulane and Utah do have one thing in common. They were both able to beat USC. Uh, what a collapse by the Trojans in the bowl game. Just something about Lincoln Riley in bowl games, man. I just, it's been rough for him. If you look at some of the times his teams have made the college football playoff and the performances they've put up, it's just been a struggle for him over the years. But uh, look, Tulane overall in the season, when you compare the two teams, Tulane does have the worst loss of the two. They lost to Southern Mississippi. Um, shout out to Brett Favre, although yeah, Brett Favre doesn't really deserve to be talked about any good light right now. Um, also, when you're looking at the two teams, as I mentioned, just two losses, the similar USC win. Uh, Tulane's other loss is to US, USF, or actually it's, uh, or excuse me, where uh, Gus Malzone is at down there. So Utah, yes, they have the four losses, but two of them to a couple of very good programs overall. Um, UCF, excuse me. So UCF, uh, the national champions from a couple years back when uh, at the time Scott Frost was there, obviously that whole higher Nebraska didn't end up working out either. I'm taking a lot of shots in this podcast. Or I guess that's what you what you get when you get me riding solos, a lot of side side remarks. So I personally, I can understand why everyone has Tulane above. As I mentioned, do I feel like I would have Utah above? Yeah, but I mean, as I say all the time on the show, right? It is locked on you. So you got to see the background. I'm going to be a little biased to Utah. So yes, I feel like if Utah played Tulane, they would beat Tulane. But look, two wins is a big difference when you're talking about record, 12 and two versus 10 and four. So I can understand why Tulane is above. I think if I was to do this ranking, I would have Utah at nine personally. So I'm very similar to where the media is. And if you look at the teams behind overall, um, USC, obviously Utah beat them twice. They ain't going to be above them. Clemson, what a weird ending to Clemson season. I mean, the bowl game was a disaster. Everyone just tried to blame all the problems on a DJ Uyunglele, who actually thinks is going to be really good at Oregon State next year. And then you saw that a heralded freshman come in and he struggled too because the offensive line did not give him any time to operate so uh clemson just had a lot of issues this past season a rough season for Dabo down there at 13 uh kansas state did some nice things but they're 10 and 4 too i know they were conference champs but look they just got molly whopped by alabama so i don't think you can justify having them in the top 10 and lsu kind of a similar thing or just a couple of too many disappointments i mean you can't lose to texas a&m that's just a really bad loss with the way the aggie season folded out the aggies being texas a&m being the highest ever preseason team to not make a bowl game absolutely staggering as most people thought they'd be inside the top 10 and that's because that's where the recruiting stuff was and look it's great that utah is getting these high recruits in there now but it just is goes places like AM, a lot of these other schools just goes to show you that it's not all about the recruits because we've seen for a while now some of the people that get the top recruits it's also about the culture the coaching you have in place um some experience needs to be factored into because we've seen places where high recruits doesn't always work out and uh, that was the case at AM. and despite all that they were still able to get lsus we're getting a little off topic but the big one then that i didn't mention that is florida state is ranked 11 in the ap top 25 and they're actually ranked 10 in the coaches poll and it's another one where i can get behind right mike norvell had a very strong season there they got their season started in crazy fashion with that 
unbelievable win against LSU. They had a nice win in the bowl game against Oklahoma too. Oklahoma very up and down this season, but was able to turn it around late. They had a stretch of ranked losses where they lost to Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson, but then finished out the season strong by getting a nice win against Florida, their in-state rival, 45-38. to Honestly, I feel like that could be one of the things, although you want to talk about two completely separate times to be taken on the Florida Gators. Look at that Florida team week one, Billy Napier, all the energy, all the excitement. Um, Utah, obviously, with their worst tackling performance we've seen in gosh what feels like forever from a Kyle Whittingham led team to then looking at the end of the season when things had already fallen off the kind of the lust of a new season had also kind of worn off by that point too so personally I feel like that first of all when you examine those two just wrapping up that point obviously the Florida team in week one I feel like that was a better version of them being at home and everything like that versus that Florida team late in the season when things had already suffered a couple losses. It was very different. I just don't think you can match that emotion or that level first week of a new head coach, especially by the time where, look, they could have matched it if they kept up that success, but they obviously didn't. So I feel like Utah would be able to get it against Florida State, but look, Mike Norvell has a really good team going down there. They're building a really good culture too, so I can easily get behind Florida State being above Utah. And I, like I said, I think it's totally fair to have the Utes at 11, 10, nine as i said i think nine's the highest i would put them i, I could totally understand and hear an argument if people were like i think utah would beat washington in fact i'd love to hear from you guys in the comments if you think utah would but i just feel like based on the difference in records as we kind of talked about versus um utah having those four losses versus washington having those only the two yes the worst loss of the bunch being to arizona state the same loss against ucla but getting that tough win against oregon that was going up to eugene too that was the game actually right before utah i believe it took all the sucked all the wind to kind of out of that utah oregon game because then it wasn't a matchup between, at the time, we were top 10 teams. I think Utah was the only top 10 team when those teams ended up playing in that moment. So it's kind of crazy how it all shook out. But um, all that aside, I do feel like the Utes were a top 10 team this season when you look at what they were able to accomplish. Back-to-back Pac-12 champions. Yes, they needed some help and didn't control their own destiny. But in the games that mattered the most in terms of that first game against USC where their season was literally on the line and Cam stepped up and absolutely dominated in that fashion, they have good wins against Oregon State. Also took care of business against inferior opponents, which we just ran through all these teams. A lot of them didn't take care of business against inferior opponents. So you've got to give the Utes credit for that. Also looking at Utah in terms of what they were able to do against USC the second time in the Pac-12 championship and a dominating performance there. I feel like if you got a conference champion like that, who, yes, struggled against Penn State. I know Penn State had opt-outs. I feel like Utah was more impacted by their opt-outs if you look at Clark Phillips as absence and especially how much Dalton Kincaid was missed on the offensive side of the ball with Brant Keithy not being there, the adjustments they had to make as um, Dukes Jaquindon Jackson was obviously fantastic, but with the whole thing going on with Tavion Thomas, still kind of a dark cloud. I'm not blaming that on the, like saying that's the reason they lost the Rose Bowl, but I'm just saying, I feel like Utah was more impacted by their absences than Penn State was. I do feel like the Utes as a conference champion belong in the top 10, but have no quips with them being at 11. 12 is a little bit of a harder sell, but anywhere from 11 to 8, honestly, I can get behind. So I feel like that's a fair place to have the Utes. And uh, one thing that's nice for the Utes in terms of recruiting is, hey, anytime you're back-to-back Pac-12 champs, you're going to see a recruiting bump. We saw that with a lot of the four stars in state and a couple out of state too coming to the University of Utah, but the Utes are still in the hunt for a top tight end in Walker Lions. Unfortunately, they got to compete with the Georgia Bulldogs to try and get them. We're going to talk about that that rivalry going on in terms of that trying to get a commitment in a moment but first want to talk to you guys about our friends at betonline.net betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis all college 
basketball, NBA, NFL playoffs. It's all available at Bet Online all season long. They've got it all, including NHL too. And we're not even that far away from baseball starting up again. I know it feels we're still a little bit off, but it'll be here before you guys know it. So make sure you guys head over to Bet Online. You can also get sports podcasts there. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, and back in. When you're talking about this Utah team, I think it's I think it all actually kind of ties together when you're talking about Walker Lyons, if he's going to go to Utah, Georgia. I believe Stanford is still in the running. USC also talking to look, personally, I feel like this is going to come down to USC. I mean, not USC, sorry. If it's going to come down to Utah or Georgia, I could totally be wrong. But when you're a tight end and you're looking at places to go. I think it makes a lot of sense to pick those two schools. You look at what Utah has been going through now. Um, Walker, by the way, is a 2023 guy. Hasn't committed yet, but he is. he's just going to be a late late commitment at this point, it sounds like. He was locked into the Cardinal as of the summer, but then decommitted with David Shaw kind of stepping down and everything going on there with Stanford. As I said, Stanford's still in the running. And look, they've produced some tight ends at a high level, too. I think back to guys like Zach Ertz. Uh, Benjamin Urosik actually announced he's coming back to school. Um, big get for the Cardinal in 2023. So it'll be interesting to see that. But um. Look, wherever Walker ends up choosing, if he does go, even if he went back to Stanford, he's going to be playing next to an elite tight end. If you go to Utah, you're playing next to Brant Keithy. If you go to Georgia, you're playing next to Brock Bowers. Yeah, Brock Bowers is coming back for a third year. I think people forget because like he's been dominating for two years now. And yeah, that's how good he he is there. So I think it is interesting when you're talking about Walker Lyons, a 6'4", 234 star tight end, absolute uber athlete. He can also get it done in terms of run blocking. But the biggest reason you're bringing this guy in is because of the plays he can make in the passing game. Guy who can go up and get balls, really athletic, strong route runner too, sticky hands. I think he's a phenomenal prospect and absolutely deserves his four-star rankings. So like I said, I just do feel like this is coming down to Utah versus Georgia. And I think it's going to be really tough for Utah to get Walker Lions. I would love to lie to you guys and be like, I think that Utah is going to bring them home. But I think that when you're staring, when you're going to deciding between Utah and Georgia, I, I think the answer is pretty clear if you're Walker Lions. And I think the reason for that is, is let's think what is Walker more than likely want in a college home? Because what do most players want when they're picking their college? They want the chance to win and they want the chance to be developed into an NFL guy who can take who they want to go somewhere where their skills and talents are going to be maximized and elevated to help them get the opportunity they've been dreaming about since they were a kid. Yeah, these guys dream about producing in college too, but the ultimate goal is to get to the NFL. And even though the NIL bag is nice, it's nothing like an NFL bag. So when you're looking at the two, first let's go who is going to develop you better? I actually think you could argue that I think Utah is. I think Fred Woodingham Jr. is a fantastic tight end coach. I think Georgia, but Georgia's no slouches here. I think this gap between one and two is very even there. I think Georgia does a very good job developing tight ends. We saw early Brock Bowers has been early, um, able to come on. Washington for Georgia, their number two tight end. He's an absolute monster out there, and I think he's going to make some noise at the next level too. Um, we know Dalton Kincaid is going to be a second round pick too. So I think either place you're going to get developed and you're going to get an opportunity to produce and do some things. But then let's move into the second one I've talked about, and that's winning. And that's where it's really in the favor of Georgia, right? Because look, they're just two separate atmospheres as a program right now. Georgia, in my opinion, is the new Alabama. They're going to be in it year to year out. They actually just did something that Alabama hasn't done. The dynasty of Nick Saban has never gone back to back as Kirby Smart and his Georgia team just did. And what did they do in going back to back? What position was crucial in helping them go back to back? It was the tight end spot with what Brock Bowers has been able to do there. So if you're a tight end going there, you're not just going to block. You If you want to have an opportunity to win, of course, and win at the highest level, which is what Georgia provides, but you also want to be involved in 
incorporated in the offense. And guess what? That's what Georgia offers for tight ends with special players like Bowers. As I said, I think I believe Washington actually is going to the NFL after this year. I can't remember if he's a senior or maybe he is coming back. So maybe that's the one thing Utah could have, right? Is maybe you could pitch him in on coming in right away. But you also got Thomas Yasmin at Utah. And I, I do think Thomas Yasmin in his first year, or excuse me, Thomas Yasmin with how many years he's been with the team is going to be a better tight end than Walker Lyons in his first year. So at best, Walker's the second guy to either of these programs. At worst, he's the third. That part of it isn't a huge difference, but you're going to Georgia, you have a chance to win a national championship. And I just think something like that is extremely hard to pass on. When you also know you'll be involved in the offense, you're going to be in world-class facilities. Utah has some very nice facilities. Um, Georgia's upgrading their facilities. Uh, they're spending $80 million on it to get those kind of in the bank. So I just think it's going to be very hard for Utah to pull off. Um, on three, I should say, on three is taking quite the hit today. I don't know if you guys have been following kind of what's going, going on with the Florida quarterback, but they say 60% Walker's favoring Georgia. And look, we saw the bump in recruiting Utah got after winning back-to-back Pac-12 championships, right? George is going to get a recruiting bump for being back-to-back national champions. And I do think that's what's going to happen in this case. And I think in the end, they're going to be able to lure Walker and get him to come in because of that opportunity to develop in a, at a high level and that opportunity to produce early on and be a huge factor in a team that's winning national championships, which when you talk about the difference in Utah, I think when Utah expands, when, when the playoff expands, which Walker is going to be still have two years of eligibility when that is going on, Walker, who will be a part of whatever team he's going to, he'll be able to help them maximize that opportunity to go to the next level. But going back to the expansion thing, if you're looking at what's Utah's ceiling in an expansion, I mean, the world's best case scenario is what TCU just did. I think more realistically, it's making the 12-team playoff, uh, winning one game, and then probably losing the second, maybe winning your second game too. But after that, I think that's just where it gets really hard. But uh, hey, TCU gave me hope for at least uh, making the national championship game. I can't say they gave me hope for uh, any program that's not one of the dominant powerhouses being the Ohio States, the Alabamas, um, LSU when they're clicking on full cylinders, the Georgias, um, outside of those kind of four programs. I'm sure there's other ones that could eventually get to that level, but it just feels like everyone else is kind of going to be a flash in the pan. Like I said, Utah's not in that group, so their best is making the playoff and then more than likely um, getting at least one win in the expanded version, but then after that is when it gets really tough. So I do think Walker's going to end up a Georgia Bulldog. I just think what they can offer is a little more alluring in terms of being involved in the offense. As I said, producing early on Brock Bowers is putting up numbers as a freshman. No reason to expect Walker Lions couldn't do the same, especially with how much Georgia just blows people out. I think if you're, you could play right away, even if you are the third or fourth guy in the depth chart, cause it's like, Hey, they're going to rest the other guys. Cause in the second half, you're going to be up by 60. And I don't know if you guys saw Georgia's schedule next year, but my goodness, <laughs> talk about some cupcakes mixed in with a few decent games. I'll say that, but. I mean, crap, Utah starts the season tougher with Florida at home and then Baylor and even their road schedule. I mean, Utah's got to go to Oregon State. Then you talk about Utah having to go to USC. Also, Utah has to head out and go to Washington. Those are all a lot tougher games, I think, overall than Georgia has. I mean, Georgia has to go to Tennessee, but still no Hendon Hooker. I think Joe Milton's good. He's no Hendon Hooker. I don't expect Tennessee to be a top five team again next season. So versus, I think, USC, Washington. Um, Oregon comes to Salt Lake. Those are all teams that are going to be flirting with, I think, the top 10 and could be even higher. So I do feel like Utah has a tougher schedule in that regard. As I mentioned, just basically main takeaway from this, Walker Lions more than likely to me is going to be a Georgia Bulldog. I will be ecstatic if Utah is able to sell him and Fred Whittingham is able to work his magic. It's not wise to doubt Fred Whittingham Jr., Cot Whittingham and his staff when it comes to bringing in talent as they've done such a good job of since the Pac-12 championship. But I just think when your choice is Utah or Georgia, you guys too take your bias Utah out of it, like us growing up being out here. Which program would you choose? 
are to turn down Georgia. So I agree with the on three and agree he will eventually end up as a Georgia Bulldog. So that's going to do it for our football talk. But when we come back in a moment, we got to talk about the running Utes taking on UCLA. The Bruins currently the seventh ranked team overall in the country. It's going to be a tough game for the Utes heading out to Southern California, but they'll have an opportunity to get the upset. And I'm going to tell you how they could go about doing it, doing something where UCLA hasn't lost a game since November 20th. So nearly two months. It's a tall task for these running Utes, but I think they got a chance to do it. But first, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for you for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these Built Bar tastes like candy bars while maintaining amazing uh, mac macros. And what's even better is they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of program. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can head to your local Smith's or Sam's Club to grab a Built Bar today. So make sure you guys head over to your local Smith's or Sam's Club and cash in on all those great flavors that Built has, whether it's great ones like Cookies and Creep, Coconut Puffs, Salted Caramel, Brownie Batter Puffs, or many more. Built has you guys covered at your local Smith's or Sam's Club. Head over to your nearest one and grab a Built Bar today. All righty, talking Utah basketball. Uh, Utes got a little bit of a dent in kind of what was just this sensational start to the post-Christmas break because they were rolling. Uh, they were 5-0 and in Pac-12 play, but then, of course, a tough loss to the Oregon Ducks put a little bit of a dent in that. Lost by 10 at home in that one. And now you go on the road to UCLA and uh, look, I got the ESPN predictor pulled up. They give uh, Utah a 9% chance in this one. And it makes sense. As I mentioned, this is a UCLA team that has not lost a game since back in J on November 20th. And back when they lost that game, who'd they lose it to? They actually lost back to back games, but they're two pretty good programs in Illinois and then Baylor. So it's a tall task for the Utes to go in and get the upset. But just because it's a tall task doesn't mean it's an impossible one. So here's how I think Utah can go in and shock the nation for a second time this season. Let's not forget about that great win against, at the time, the fourth-ranked Arizona Wildcats on the hardwood. I think the way you go in and get the win, I think number one is Brandon Carlson has to dominate. I think Brandon Carlson has to be the best player on the floor. When you talk about guys in Tiger Campbell, Johnny Yuzang, they're really talented players, so that's not an easy thing to do. But I really like the matchup for Brandon Carlson in this one. He's got Adem Bona on him. Bona, just a freshman here. Obviously, Carlson's been with the Utes now for these four seasons. He's been their best player on the year. And then some of their biggest wins off. He's been the catalyst who's gotten it going on the inside. We know because, look, Mar Marco being the one guy who can't shoot it, obviously, extremely well from the outside, but Utes can kind of spread the floor a little bit, hopefully give him some opportunities inside, beam down low, and hopefully let Carlson work. This is a UCLA team that doesn't have, I think, the intimidating size they've had in the past because Bona is so young. So I think Carlson, being one of the best centers in the Pac-12, has an opportunity to really insert his presence in this game. Um, he was held in check a little bit against Oregon. I'm sure he's frustrated, ready to go and break out. And I think this is a great opportunity for him to do so. I think the other thing that could be huge for Utah, anytime you're trying to get a road win, I think the Utes have to shoot it well from the outside. If Brandon gets it going early, he's going to get doubled. 
that's going to lead to open shots. The Utes didn't shoot it great versus Oregon. You think they're going to be in for a bounce back here, whether that is Gabe Matson heating up again. He was 0-4 in their most recent game against Oregon. Raleigh Wooster also 0-4. He could get it going a little bit. Stefanovic has gotten hot from the outside on a few occasions for the Utes. I think those guys have to be able to hit some threes in this one. I'm not saying they need to be. The Utes don't need to shoot it absolutely electric, but I think in this one, Utah has to make I'm going to go seven or more threes. I really do think Utah has to make seven or more threes to get an upset. And I think that's a lot. Well, it's the seventh ranked team in the country. So you're obviously going to have to play out of your minds too in order to get a win. I mean, anytime you have a 9% chance to win, that shows you the odds aren't exactly in your favor. But I do, like I said, I think the Utes can get this one because of that mismatch down low. And also just because of the outside shooting, the Utes have shown flashes of it on the season. I think it would be a nice time for them to show up here. Let's not forget, this is a UCLA team that Utah nearly beat at the Huntsman last year. I believe it was Gabe Madsen had an opportunity at the buzzer. Um, I think it, the play was drawn up for Stefana. I believe I'm trying to remember now. I think it was drawn up for Madsen to get a three. Gabe Madsen ended up missing it. And then Stefanovic got the rebound and he missed a three too. Both of them really good looks that would have sent the game to overtime. But Utah was in this game the entire way at Salt Lake. This was the game actually that Gabe Madsen actually broke out last last season in a fantastic shooting display. I think he had four threes in the first half alone. And then you see like kind of adjusted, did a better job on him in the second, but was still at the time, a, I believe a season high for Madsen, which I think he is now past looking ahead to the 2022 season. But Really think if the Utes can get it going from the outside, that's a huge thing. The other thing is UCLA and their two losses, the other team being Baylor and Illinois, got to the free throw line more. I think that's key for the Utes in this one. You've got to get to the free throw line, be the aggressors early on, whether that's Marco Anthony going at it. I'd love to see the Utes post up Marco in this one a lot. I think he'll be defended by Johnny Yuzang. But I think Yuzang, I think Marco, because of his strength and the mismatch he has there, even though he does give up two inches, Marco 6'5", excuse me, Huzang 6'7". I do think that Marco will be able to do do some crafty things inside, whether it is kind of pump, using pump fake or something to get him in the air, getting Huzang in foul trouble a little bit. I don't think Huzang is going to want to bang with Marco in the paint. So that's something that's nice too. When Brandon can shoot is you can have Brandon space on the outside and post up Marco in some of those opportunities. But if Utah is the aggressor, they attack the rim. I think this is another opportunity they can get a win. If they get to the free throw line a lot, they force UCLA to come from behind and have to throw up a lot of shots. I think that's where the Utes will be able to get a steal. It's going to be an extremely tough game for Craig Smith and his team, and it doesn't get much easier when they have to take on USC. A little bit easier. USC isn't quite the team that the Bruins are this season. But look, there's a path for an upset. Based on what I've seen from this Utah basketball team this season, I believe they can play with the Bruins. I think they can make this game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I think this team is hungry and ready to go. Hey, we've talked about a lot on this channel. They've already won more games than they did last January, and I think it's because this group is more locked in, and I think they're ready to get back out there on the court. It's a fun opportunity for them to get a win, or at least just some experience against, um, there's some people before I leave, Ernie Kent this past week on the Pac-12 postgame show on the Thursday one. He said that, look, the Utes are going to have a chance to be in it. He thinks late in the Pac-12 tournament, and these are the kind of games like that where if you want to get the confidence to be like we can beat UCLA, come that late, that come early March when you're in Pac-12 tournament play, you can look back in January and go, well, we already beat them once at their place. Now we got them on a neutral floor. I think this could be a big one for the Utes, but if you lose it, as long as you show that fight, I still think it's an encouraging sign for this Utah team. Just don't want to get blown out in this game because you don't you want to have kind of that good feeling going through. Good vibes, I'll say good vibes for lack of a better word, uh, going into the game against USC because you don't want to let, let one loss roll in and become two losses. A little bit of coach speak for you guys there. I'm sure you guys have heard other coaches mention that before. But um, it's going to be a fun one for the Utes, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Just like it's going to be fun to see if Utah can get Walker Lions and all the other things coming up. It's a fun weekend for Utah Athletics, too. Got the best of Utah meet coming up. It's unfortunate that Utah women's basketball, their game on Friday get canceled, but it's a great top 10 showdown between 
for the Utes, this women's team, this Sunday at the Huntsman. So going to be a fun weekend of Utah athletics. And we're going to have Josh Furlong on tomorrow's show to talk about a couple more of those events as well. Can't thank you guys enough for listening to today's Locked on Utes. That's going to do it for this episode. But before we bounce out of here, want to once again, thank you for making us your first listen every single day. For your second listen, make sure you check out the brand new Locked on College Basketball podcast. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one one place. Plus, for, for big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Thank you guys again for listening and have a great day.